All right, good morning, Vintage Grace. We are back with another edition of the Text Lab. This is David Crawl, Life Group Pastor here at VG, and I'm here to walk with you through the text this week. Our goal is to help you be a disciple who goes and makes other disciples. So whether you are leading a life group this week, whether you are just doing some studying on your own, our hope is that this would really just help you have meaningful conversations with others about what God has said to us, to uh, grow in Him, in your own relationship with Him, and to walk in the confidence and the clarity that His Scripture gives us this week. Um, this week, we are in John 15, 18 through 16, 4a. And so let's dive in. Verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you remem may remember that I told them to you. Jesus here in chapter 15 and 16 continues in the upper room discourse. Let's remember a little bit last week, Jesus told them uh, this commandment I give you to love one another, referencing back to John 13, where he says that the world will know you are disciples by my by your love for one another um, and by the way that you love one another, ultimately by the way that Jesus demonstrates his love to us on the cross that's then reflected in the community of faith as we love each other. Now, this is kind of interesting text because it takes a pivot here. The, the text goes from telling, the wor or telling us how the world will know we're disciples and believe by the love that's in um, the Christian community of faith as brothers and sisters love one another to now talking about the fact that the world will hate us because of an association with Christ. That if we were part of the world, the world would love us as their own. But now there's this expectation of persecution that will come because of our association with Jesus. And Jesus tells us that um, because we're not of the world, that is the reason that the world hates us. And so I think this is important as we talk a lot about living missionally at VG, about living sent, that there's always this time in this place where ultimately Jesus confronts the world with their sin. He confronts them on the fact that they are not loving God, that they are not following God. And ultimately this leaves a decision for everyone to make. And Jesus is really here setting up this expectation in his disciples. He's saying in the overarching context, as he is leaving, as the spirit is coming, now the disciples, the apostles are going to be sent out to do the things that Jesus did. And Jesus is saying, 
in the same way that they persecute me, with his death coming in just the next few days, this is the expectation of what will happen for the apostles as well. And I want to just keep in mind here the way that this is would continue to be this paradigm shift in the disciples' understanding. They were expecting a kingdom that was going to be established in Jerusalem. They were expecting a a government that was going to overthrow Rome and be established. They were expecting the victory parade of Christ to come in the next few days. And instead, Jesus is telling them that persecution is what is going to come in the next few days. Um, But he says these things will all happen because of the account of Christ, because they see and know that the apostles are followers of Jesus. And because we are being sent out in the same way Christ was sent to us. And I think it's just important to notice the association that Jesus makes here between himself and his disciples. He's saying that the disciples will go and do the same things that Jesus does. And ultimately that the persecution that's coming to the disciples, it's not just towards them individually. It's ultimately towards Christ. And this is building off of what Jesus said last week about, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And their, their identity as followers of Jesus, not to just be the ones who do the work of God for God like servants, but really ones who are friends, who are brought into intimacy with God. But with that comes now persecution, um, that the world is hating them ultimately because they're hating Christ. I think it's a, it's a good thing for us to discuss this week in our groups of what, in what ways does an attitude of hatred towards Jesus exist in the world? Where have you seen that? What are countries where following Jesus is illegal? What, what are ways that you see that even in our world today? And kind of what difference does it make that Christ told us about that, that he laid that expectation out for us and told us that that was going to come um, in our lives. And ultimately, continuing on in verse 21 to 25, Jesus says that ultimately this rejection is coming because of who Jesus is, because they do not know him. They do not know the one who sent Christ. If people knew God, if they knew him intimately, if they understood him and understood him in, in a way that they were friends with God, not servants of God or not enemies of God, that persecution would change. It would be different. But ultimately, there's this hatred without a cause. And I think that's often because the gospel confronts our sin. The gospel confronts our brokenness. It confronts our desire to be Lord of our own lives, to sit on the throne of our hearts. And Jesus is saying it's because of these things um, that they hate believers because ultimately they hate Jesus. And and I think here to notice too, there here's more Trinitarian language that John is using in the upper room discourse. Just don't miss this in the text. The a so close association that Jesus has with God the Father, the intimacy, the union there is now extended out even to the body of believers, which is something significant for us as we think about our own lives, that we think about who we are as followers of Jesus is that we've been brought into this unity. We've been brought into this relationship with Christ that mirrors this same unity that happens between Christ the Son and Christ the Father. So much so that when Jesus says, he who hates me hates my Father also, that the works that Jesus had done, which no one else has done, um, that they're hating them. They've seen them, but they also hated me and my father. Jesus is just always associating now himself with the father. He's been doing this throughout the whole book of John. Um, When the uh, religious leaders were asking Jesus for a sign to show us the father, he's saying, I am that sign. Look at me and see me and and see that I am uh, the representation 
of my father that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And the same is true now when Jesus says that when you're hating me, you're hating the father. And the reason that that's so important is that Jesus, when he talks about he's the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is so closely linked with God the Father in their relationship and ultimately that he is the only way to the Father. That's true when he is being hated, but that's also true in salvation, that there's no other path besides through Christ to the Father, to God, is only through Christ. So there's just some Trinitarian language happening there, woven into the text, and that really tells us something about God. It tells us something about Christ. It tells us something about their unity and relationship with one another. Um, and, it, and it tells us something about how salvation happens and Jesus' continual call to come and believe in me. And seeing Christ, you've seen the Father, that the word has been revealed um, in flesh, God in the flesh through Christ, the incarnation that has happened and the I am statements of Jesus. Even thinking about that here again in the beginning of the book of the chapter 15, that this I am statement, going back to um, God speaking to Moses in the Exodus, telling them, telling him, I am who I am, Jesus using that same language. And here again, he's saying, if you're hating me, you're hating the Father. If you believe in me, there is pathway and the gateway to the Father through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So just, that's important, I think, just to notice, to pick up on that, more of that Trinitarian language that's happening in this passage. And really just Jesus continuing to warn the disciples that persecution is coming. It's it's not a kingdom, uh, an earthly kingdom that's being established here. It's not a throne that they will sit on in Jerusalem, but rather the other end of the spectrum it is persecution that they're going to be facing. And it is rejection that they're going to be facing primarily because of who Jesus is, um, that the world is hating him. He's, he's, he's establishing really a vision and a, um, a paradigm for his followers to come and understand of what does it mean to follow Jesus. It's about to be shown them in the next few days to pick up their cross and follow him. But as Jesus always does in the book of John, and even as he's always done in this upper room discourse, he tells them that although he's leaving— Although persecution is coming, they will not be left alone. In verse 26 and 27, he picks up and talks about the helper again as has come. This is now the fourth, fifth time Jesus is continuing to talk and come back to this theme. That rep- Notice that repetition here in the book of John. This is a major point he is making here. The spirit is coming, continually called the helper who comes from the father, the spirit of truth that he will testify of Christ, that he will bear witness um, that that the disciples had been with Jesus from the beginning. And there's two pieces here, really. One, there's just this piece that as Jesus tells them, persecution is coming. He tells them, don't be alarmed though. Encouragement is coming. You will not be alone in this. The spirit who, again, Trinitarian language in 26 and 27, the spirit that comes from the father um, through Christ, to us is coming and he is the helper, the one to be there as an advocate, the one to be there as an encourager, the one to be there to strengthen, the one to lead and guide. Um, This is where what Paul builds all of his theology of Romans 5 through 8 and the understanding of the spirit that brings new life, the spirit now with us in Galatians 5, living and staying in step with the spirit. It all comes back to kind of what Jesus talks about here in the upper room discourse about the spirit who's sent and the reality of that, um, who's sent to us from the Father to encourage, to help, to come alongside, to lead, and to guide. And then also that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. I think um, it's important to notice here and think about who was John's audience 
in this text. Really, he's writing this to Christians 70, 80 years later who are experiencing intense persecution at this time. This is a piece of us understanding their town and their context. These believers would have been facing um, incredible persecution in their lives. And so John writes this to remind them of what Jesus said, that he told us it was going to be this way, that the persecution that you are going through doesn't mean that something is um, un- um, maybe predictable is happening or unforeseen by the Father, that, that Jesus knew it was going to be this way and actually told us that this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus so that you would experience this persecution. Jesus lived and walked through it in the next few days after telling his disciples this. And so John is writing this as in a letter of encouragement to these disciples, these disciples that because of the diaspora were spread out all throughout the Middle East, all throughout um, Asia and um, proper day Asia today. And they were, they were there, they were spread out. They were probably feeling alone, disconnected, wondering um, if this is part of God's plan, wondering if God still sees them and knows them. And John is saying, yes, this is part of God's plan. This was not a surprise to him. Um, he is at work in this trust in him. The spirit is with you. The spirit has been sent. He will continue to lead and guide you and that he will be, be a spirit of truth who continues to lead you into truth, continues to testify, um, to bear witness. This is an encouragement to those believers that they're not in the world try, merely trying to endure the hatred from the world, but rather the helper um, is bearing witness of who Jesus is, what he has done to rescue the world, um, and really that that that's the Spirit's work as we partner with Him in our lives. And this flows right into then chapter 16, 1 through 4, that um, the reason for Jesus' warning, the reason for the Spirit has come is that this persecution is happening, it will happen, that you can be certain of that. Um, and even some specific ways Jesus says here that they will put you out of the synagogue. Um, a note on that, to be put out of the synagogue in the Jewish uh, first century world really meant to be uh, to be called a pagan in that world, to say that you have no part in salvation of God's plan, that you are not saved. You are put out of the synagogue. You are cut off from fellowship with other Jews. Um, and ultimately, it is to be called um, a pagan, someone who, who is not redeemed, someone who is outside of God's plan of redemption, um, who is not saved. And so uh, th- that's what was happening to these first century Christians and these early followers of Jesus, they were, they were being put out of these synagogues. Um, and, and a lot of just implications from that, all fellowship being broken off, um, major kind of like economic implications in their lives as they were cut off from families and jobs and resources and work and um, social structures and, and really left alone um, on their own for those who, who believed in Jesus. And uh, Jesus is saying that will happen because of me, because of your association with me. Um, and then he continues that the time is coming, whoever kills he thinks he's offering um, service to God, God's service. And so you immediately think of, can think of Saul and Paul and the way that that immediately happened among the early first century believers is, is those um, who were killing them thought they were offering a service to God to eliminate this Jewish sect. And Jesus forewarned that that persecution would come, that those who would there would be those who'd killing you and they would think that they were doing that for God's glory when in, when in fact they were wrong. And so these, these things that, that Jesus tells them that they're coming, that they're happening very quickly, um, that they will come. And he's really just forewarning them of what is happening, what will come, um, that, that that is what it means to follow Jesus is, is to know that persecution will happen, but that we're not alone in that, that the spirit is with us, that Jesus knew that it was going to happen, that he's been with the disciples from the beginning. They're no longer his servants. They are his friends. Um, that he's told and taught them 
all of these things so that they can walk through these times confidently, trusting in uh, Christ, knowing that he has told you these things so that when the time comes, you can remember um, what Jesus has said, to know that it is not a surprise to him. Um, and to know that that he ultimately is sovereign, which I think is kind of a, the main application coming out, or one of the main applications coming out of this text is, I know for me personally, is, is just to take encouragement and to know that Jesus sits on the throne in the midst of persecution, in the midst of pain, in the midst of trials, ways that you might experience that in your life, ways that believers experience that around the world, that those things were not a surprise to Christ. Uh, he saw them coming. He knew they were going to be to come. He experienced them himself. And ultimately, Jesus told us these things so that when they do come, we can remember what Christ has done. We can remember what he has told us, what he has taught us, and that we can walk in a peace and a rest and a trust and a confidence in the real sovereignty of God. A lot of times that's a long journey from the head to the heart to, to live into that reality, but that is the sanctification journey and process of continuing to enter into the reality of the kingdom today, that Jesus is on the throne, that he sits on the throne, that nothing is outside of his control, nothing is um, shakable underneath him, that he holds all things together. And as you talk in your groups, I think even just thinking about where are the places that you believe that in your life and where are the places where you don't believe that in your life? Where are the places that you really believe and it's easy for you to say, Jesus is on the throne here in my life. And then where are other places where you're still sitting on that throne or where you don't trust that he is on the throne and there maybe is an invitation from Christ there to come to um, rest in him to walk even just in a confidence in him that whether that is persecution that's coming, whether that is a trial that's coming, that Jesus knew that was going to happen. He taught his disciples that that, that was going to happen. He taught us that that was going to happen. And so when that comes, whether it's the persecution, the suffering, the trial, whatever form it takes, we can walk with a rest, a trust, a confidence, an assurance that Jesus is on the throne today, uh, that he is the Lord, um, and that we can have peace in him um, no matter what circumstance is happening, because he's told us that it's going going to happen. And that as we live sent out, as we live on mission, um, doing the things that Christ has done, because he now sends, sends us, is that we're not doing that alone. We're not doing that on our own effort, by our own power, but we're doing that through the Spirit, and we're doing that because we are friends with Jesus. There's this intimacy, there's this union now there that we live and walk as ones who are sent out, as Christ was sent to us um, with the confidence that that Jesus spirit goes with us leading guiding us every step of the way as you're in your group this week dive in deep um, walk in honesty and authenticity vulnerability wrestle with what does the text mean and then what does the text mean in my life what is it not, not what does the text just mean to me what do I think it means really what does the text mean but then also what does it mean in your life for the implications of that text uh, for living out and walking as followers of Jesus in the kingdom that for you as you go that this would be helpful and valuable to you if you, this has helped you in any way we'd love to hear from you whether you're at the gym right now cleaning the house mowing the lawn driving in the car whatever you like to do as you listen to podcasts Remember today um, that you are one who is equipped, that the Spirit goes with you to encourage you, and to, um, that, that He goes with you to be one who is sent on mission for Christ, for His kingdom. So as you go this week into your family, your school, work, Starbucks, the gym, wherever your Pray Watch community is, know that you are sent there to be the living proof of a loving God. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.